I want you to turn your Bibles this morning over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I will join you in reading there in a moment. I just want to say that I love the Christmas season. I love to preach about the son, the child that was born, the son that was given, and oh my goodness, how could you exhaust the Christmas story? And I love to preach Easter. Easter is just a marvelous time for the Christian. Aren't you glad he came to this world? Aren't you glad he came to this world? I am. This Christmas season of 2020, thank God it's arrived. And I just want to tell you that we need the Christmas season of 2020. Don't we? We need it. Have you ever stopped to consider how the celebration of the coming of God's Christ has affected this planet? Of all the celebrations, of course, not negating Easter for sure, because that was Satan's undoing. But Christmas, in spite of all its commercialism, in spite of how political correctness has tried to empty it of God and deity and take the Christmas word out and say holiday greetings and season greetings and happy holidays and all that. I want to just tell you, regardless of what the unbeliever in this unbelieving world tries to do with Christmas, I want to tell you it is still Christmas and it still recognizes the fact that the Christ of Christmas, we worship Him and He was the arrival of God's salvation to a sin-cursed planet. I thank God for it. He came as a child, but what a child He was. I want to talk about this morning, He is the child of wonder. This is the child of wonder. When we arrive at Hebrews chapter 1, let me give you a little quick introduction to it. This book of the epistle, part of the Bible, it begins dramatically like a, like a rocket shot to the moon. You don't get an opening greeting from its author. This author doesn't even indicate his name. There is some difference of opinions about actually who wrote the epistle of Hebrews and the canon of Scripture about it. You don't even, you don't even have a, an expression of good wishes and greeting and, and nothing like that. He just, it's like you began to read an explosion. I say that because in one paragraph... The writer with great intensity transports the readers from the familiar ground of Old Testament prophetic writings. Suddenly, through the incarnation of God's Son, to the fullest possible manifestation of deity. <laughs> and what a manifestation it was. This, in this, these few words, he takes us through the purification sacrifice of the cross for all humanity and all ages. 
It takes us even through the exaltation of Jesus and places him where he is presently on the ultimate seat of power in the universe. Ladies and gentlemen, that's quite an introduction to the Savior. And it's all given to declare. And I want to share with you this morning a message that I believe this generation in this world especially, can I say, in the United States of America again, who once was a Christian nation, and we've been selling God out for years. We need to hear it again. Jesus Christ is superior over all rival claims. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and prophet of all prophets. Amen. I want us just to read about it, and we can only touch the vastness of it, but catch catch this firing, blazing rocket, chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by his prophets. That first verse is amazing. It covers about 4,000 years of human existence. Verse 2, that God who spoke in times past through the prophets has in these last days spoken to who? Spoken to who? Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you and me. He has spoken to us by His Son. Do not miss the weightiness of those words. All for centuries, 40-some centuries, through the prophets. But you and I are this audience. I'll tell you about it later. He speaks to us through His Son, whom, this is Christ, He has appointed heir of all things, through whom the Christ also, He made the worlds. And this Christ, verse 3, who being the brightness of God's glory, His glory, and the express image of His, God's person, and upholding all things by the world of His power, when He, now the subject changes to Christ, when He by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Those three verses are enough gospel to get you from a sin-cursed planet to an eternity in heaven with the awesome ultimate God. (laughs) Powerful words. These verses declare Jesus Christ is not only the Son of God. I want to say it again, and I'm going to say it numerous times in the next little while. He is superior to all prophets. God spoke through those centuries... In the, New, in the New Testament, the Hebrews writer says, God has spoken now in these days. Watch how he said it. By his son, by who he was, by what he has accomplished, and by what and who he was and is and shall forever be. Ladies and gentlemen, greater emphasis upon who Christ was cannot be found. And God, through the Holy Spirit, here in this writer, describes Him. And this is an awesome description. If those of us who are married, if we should seriously describe 
the unique and positive qualities of our mates. If I ask you to do that, the, the things that drew us together, the things that said, I love you and you love me, and the things that really matter, the qualities of the character and the, the, the gentleness and the, even the, the being, what, vulnerable, knowing the genuine inside of the heart, if I ask you to do that about your mate, you would perhaps list eight, ten, twelve things. My wife would have to go past 30 or 40 of them. <laughs> I have to try it where I can. <laughs> well, I, you would get so many, you just get certain things, and then I think you would pick out two or three things that you would consider outstanding about your mate. And listen, we ought to accentuate that more often. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Brooks. I appreciate it. <laughs> we, we should accentuate what is great and good and outstanding and, and important to us. But here in two or three verses, verses two and three, the writer of Hebrews God describes Jesus, his son. And I'm going to say it again to all the world, though they, they may not believe it and they don't want to hear it, but listen, when God speaks, he is superior to all other creation. And God says, this is my son, and he is superior and supremely above all other prophets that ever existed. And at this subject, ladies and gentlemen, to touch on it, I feel extremely inadequate. If I could approach a grasshopper, and, and if he had any kind of intellect, that I could ask him to describe you, how much could the grasshopper explain about you? This this insignificant insect describing the very image of God itself. That is a sense of how we are toward trying to exhaust our concept of Christ. How many of you know we are looking through a glass darkly? And yet God describes this very sun. God for 4,000 plus years spoke to humanity. But let me say in many ways and many times, he did it by prose, he did it by poetry, by narration, by psalms, by dreams, visions. He even did it by all of his creation. When you get to the New Testament, the writer of Romans declares that God can be known even if he's unseen by the things that he has created that are seen. And God in the old times with miraculous wonders and these prophets received power and did things that are almost beyond description. I love to travel, as I talked about last week, with some of these prophets. I can't imagine what a day it was like to be with Elijah when he called fire down out of heaven. That was an amazing day. But if we were to, let's say, ask Daniel of the Old Testament... And, and let's travel through the New Testament with John the Revelator all the way to Revelation. 
These men said, we saw Him. We heard Him. But watch this. When John goes on, he said this. He said, I touched Him. I walked with Him. That experience so impacted and and made an effect upon John, he literally proclaimed himself because he would come and he would hug the Christ. He had a right to say, I touched Him. And John... Framed himself or feigned himself the most important prophet because he said, I would lean on his breast. But John thought he was the closest one because he would hug the Christ. And no wonder he could say, I touched him. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, in all that he was, all that they saw for three years, miracles, for three years watching God eat. I, I like to say this, now we know what God's like. We know God's shoe size. He was walking in the flesh with these men. He, the, he, he had all the vulnerability of human, the human nature. And yet he was God incarnate. There was so much, even though they touched him, they watched him, they heard him. They were in the greatest Bible college in the world, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and yet they didn't understand. But I want you to know the writer of Hebrews declares, notice this, all God's prophets of the Old Testament spoke of only one prophet that would come, and it would be God's Son, Christ Jesus. Verse 2 declares that God then spoke through Jesus. So let's take 4,000 years of history and all the dreams and the visions and the songs and all the things that happened, all, all the miraculous things of Israel, a cloud by day, a fire by night, parting of the, all the miracles and the way God spoke with them and led them trying to say, this is me, I want relationship. Add all that up and it doesn't amount to the fact that God said today and in the last day I will speak through the one who is is God. He spoke through Jesus. This is far more than a mortal man. This is far more than a mere limited prophet. And I want to say this. There's something important for us to understand. There's two words in this verse that says to us. Ladies and gentlemen, Hebrews was written 40 years plus after the ascension of Christ. And many of the Hebrews that were alive then had never heard of Jesus. Not to mention the Gentile. And it was written to them, in essence it's saying to us, those who had not yet heard, to them and to all those that would come. So I want to declare to you something this morning. We, the New Testament subjects, we are a part of the audience That was addressed when the writer said to us, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. God is speaking to us. And in describing Jesus, this son, as a prophet, I asked the Lord for his anointing to try to share how God described him. First of all, he says he is the heir of all God appointed his son 
to take everything in creation and make it his own possession. I want to ask this question. What other leader, what other prophet, what other religious guru or imam or goddess or god, what other proclaimed spiritual leader could it be said of that they are the heir of all creation? Think about that. And here is the reason. God describes him, point number two. He is the heir of all creation because he is the creator of all things. He made the worlds. This prophet, the Son of God, that came incarnate in the flesh, made the worlds. The Christ had the power. We read it, verse 2. He had the power of the Word of God. And this Christ spoke all creation into being. God the Father thought it. Jesus spoke it. And the Holy Spirit performed it. Ladies and gentlemen, the triune Godhead all had a part in it. And I want to ask the other question is this again. What other prophet can claim the power of creation? I don't care how much a prophet may have, may have been a prophet. He hadn't created any. I love to tell this story. Those of you that have been around a long time, please give me a little room here. You may be tired of it, but for those who are new and those who are on live streaming, I love this story. And I thank God for scientific discovery. But I believe scientific discovery, it has only taken us century after century after century to figure out some things that God created Himself. And while I, I, I thank God for science, I want to tell you that all it does is show us more of God. So the scientists begin to brag and say, we've reached a place where, to God, he addressed, we've reached a place where we can create humanity. We can create a man. And God, the story is like this. God said, okay, go ahead, create a man. And the scientists reached down and got a big handful of dirt. And God said, time out. Make your own dirt. If you don't catch that, how many of you understand the profundity of that? Man can do nothing outside of the omnipotent creator. We can only discover and we may change. Men recreate and we discover, but ladies and gentlemen, we can't create anything. We can, all we can create is chaos. <laughs> This is the creator of all things. The third description is, verse 3, who being the brightness of God's glory. God's glory is what makes God unique. It's what makes him superior to all other gods. Yet Christ, the word says, when you see him, you see God's excellence. Again, of whom else could be said... <laughs> that God's Son is superior to every prophet, none other. And fourthly, in verse 3, he describes him as the express image of God's person. The very likeness 
of God. In the Greek, that word image there means the character of engraving. It means a figure that is stamped in likeness. It is the exact copy. It also talks about and has in its meaning the authority of the signet ring, the exact stamp of a copy so that authority has printed it in the wax. In his express image. And Jesus said it like this. Catch the power of these words. He said, if you have seen me, what did he say? You have seen the Father. What audacity. But it's not if it's true. And it is true. John Lennon called in a time, I think it was John Lennon called in a late hour before he died. He wanted to know and call pastors and people all over. Was Jesus really divine? Well, John Lennon, I may not be important, but I will tell you this. He is divine. Jesus, who else can you say that of? I'm the exact image and likeness of God. Number five, the scripture says he upholds all things by the word of his power. That's why I will stay with this book. How many of you know that this is yea and amen forever settled in heaven? Forever settled. Men can change his mind so proverbially a million times, but ladies and gentlemen, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and what he has written, he has written, and it will stand. I love to say this. Humanity, we're pretty pretty high on self, aren't we? We're pretty high on self. We learn things and we discover things about God and creation. We congratulate ourselves about it. Then we make it complicated. And then we, we, we pat ourselves on the back because we've made it complicated. And then we figure out what we'd already discovered. How many of you followed what I just said? We're that way. Have you ever, you ever noticed how we like to make it complicated? So... We can congratulate ourselves. This word says that he upholds all things. By the power of his word, he upholds, sustains all things. All things. Who else can that be said of? Can Mohammed... Can the Navara thing called Buddha be the thing that if we can, men and women can reach Navara, then we've come to a place where we are gods? Nothing of the nature of anything like that can be said about anything earthly. I've seen pictures, I'm sure you have, of the old uh, mythic guy called Mr. Atlas holding the world on his shoulders. How many of you have seen that? If you haven't seen it, it's just mythical God, Mr. Atlas holding the world on his shoulders. But when you see him, he's always in the bent position. And, and, it, and it's talking about the weight of the world on this strong man's shoulders. Bent from the weight. 
But the writer of Hebrews, through the Spirit, declares, here is Christ holding all things. And he is anything but bent from the weight of it. That's the God I serve. As a matter of fact, God himself said, this world isn't on my shoulders and I can barely handle what I've created and that I reach my limit and I get nervous and oh, this is going to surprise me and this is going to happen and I'm going to go, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming, not in your lifetime or not in eternity, ladies and gentlemen. I realize we're in a sin-cursed planet and there's a lot of things that happen today that God is not responsible for at all. We chose it and it's coming and we'd like to blame Him for it. But I want to tell you this, when it's said and done, this God who began it all and this God who created everything is going to have the last and final word. And He's not bent with any weight of anything about the world or of any of His creation. Let me point out something about this. In this language, upholding all things. And this is the crux of what I want to share today. Upholding all things. In this language is movement. It implies he carries it forward. He he is upholding present tense. He is upholding all things. He is carrying it forward. This too shall pass. Can you say praise the Lord? When he, when he carries it forward, it means he is purging my sin. Did you fail him this week as a believer? He is purging your sin. He, he carried it past the cross. He's upholding all things. He moved it forward in God's purpose. And even beyond that, He has established the future. And He's the one who's in control of it. He's established a future of earth, He has established the future of the world. He has established the future of the universe and He has established the future of you and me. And you wonder why some people think I'm fanatical about trusting Him. Give me only the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm secure for eternity. Give me Jesus. I declare to you this morning... Even in 2020 and all the things we see, God is moving forward in the way that He has planned and He desires. And there is nothing that we are incapable of if we're in the hands of the Almighty Creator that has always existed and is and shall forever be. Amen? Amen. Lastly, point six, verse three. When he had, watch this word, by himself. Basically in the giving of himself. When he had by himself purged our sins. I want to declare to you, God says, he is the eternal, sovereign, savior of all humanity. By himself, offering his sinless life. 
offering His purity, offering His righteousness for our sinfulness, offering His divinity to be subjected to flesh as a sacrifice for my sin and yours. Then He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And one last time, I'm going to ask the question, who else has a position like that? What other religious leader, what kind of drug dream did Muhammad have compared to the God speaking? What kind of prophet can come and sway the emotions and the concept and the, the, the psyche of a human being? What other spiritual advisor can declare he gave us his holy life for those that of us were defiled? He went through death, conquered it, was raised from the grave, a resurrection on Easter we call it, and he is now seated at the right hand of the eternal God forever. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, he even makes it personal and he prays for you and me this very moment. And you think that I should be ashamed of saying, this is God and he's the only way from planet earth to an eternity in heaven. I want to tell you why I say that. Not to be ridiculed, not to be called narrow-minded, not to upset people and say, why, pastor, you lost your mind. Not to agree with some celebrities that say, well, there just can't be one way. There's many, many, many ways. There has to be a lot of ways. It just can't be. Listen, it is. There's one way. There's no other name given in heaven and earth whereby men can be saved. Save the name of Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one. Mr. Movie Star, he's the only one. Mr. and Mrs. Wealthy Billionaires, he's the only one. And can I say that your wealth, I applaud you for it, but your wealth does not change the fact of eternity. How many of you know I just made enemies there probably? It, it, it bothers me that some people think because of their power and their money and position that their opinions are worth more. I want to tell you we're all subject. We're all subject to the curse of this planet. And how many of you know we talk the truth when we speak the word? As a sacrifice for our sin, generation 2020, today I look at our world with all of its belief systems, with all of its religions, and I've been to foreign soils. I've seen things that are amazing. Can I say to the length of desperation of needy humanity who will go to all kinds of extremities to try to appease a God that doesn't even exist? I was in a foreign country years ago and I watched beside a missionary men and women and young people who would come with six months' salary. Six months' salary and buy a piece of gold leaf to place it on a concrete God 
to try to appease him from being angry. And I hear the words of God saying, Ask him to speak. Ask him to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a world that's duped by the enemy. And in America, thank God for the word of God. Can you say amen? Why look at our neighbors and they seem, in a sense, they seem satisfied, but I'm going to tell you something in the, in the warped and woof of their being and their spirit. They're not happy. They know. Why should we say anything to them? Why do we feel compelled? Because this Savior, this sacrifice, this death defeater, and I may create a word here, this grave defier, this Son of God, is superior to all gods, all religions, all professors of deity. In 2020 and 2021, I'm compelled to say, He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. And I'm going to close doing this. Then God, having spoke to us, if you read further in that chapter, he speaks to Jesus himself. This is the Father, having declared him. I love it. In verse 5, he goes, For which to the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And of the angels, he says, who makes the angel spirits, his ministers of a flame of fire? He's better and far superior to the angels. If you get down to verse 13, he'll say, but to which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand, I will make your enemies your footstep. Only one heard that, and that was the Christ. But listen to this, God speaks to his son. And he says, verse 8, your throne, O God. God called his son your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, this is therefore Christ, your Father has anointed you with the oil of gladness more and your companions. Ladies and gentlemen, those are powerful words. Listen to what he said. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you, the eternal Son, you will fold them up. And they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not fail. So there should be no question as to why he is called the child of wonder. God in these last days has spoken to us by his son. I want to declare to this. Abandon all other offers other than the God offer. Can you say amen? Abandon all other offers. I'm going to close with this. The Christmas songwriter. The carol that I've sung since I was a little boy. I know they had the inside. It says, Star of Wonder. Star of night, 
star of royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to your perfect light. How many of you are personally acquainted with the perfect light? <laughs> How many are glad you know that you know him?